0: It's time to explore and find the answers you've been searching for with the new 2023 Data Dive datasets. The MGMA Provider Compensation and Production Dataset is one of the most comprehensive datasets in the industry, providing hospital and physician-owned practice data, and compensation benchmarks for medical directorship, own call, academic, and starting salaries. The 2023 data set represents nearly 190,000 providers from 6,800 groups spanning 250 specialties. With this valuable data, you can attract and retain the highest quality providers, drive more revenue through productivity, and keep costs contained. Learn more by visiting mgma.com/ Data Dive. Healthcare is complicated, but you don't have to navigate the complexities alone. Care Allies collaborates with physician organizations to solve some of the toughest challenges on the path to value-based care. As your organization works to effectively manage your more vulnerable patient populations, enhance outcomes, and improve data analytics, Care Allies brings the people, technology, and processes to support you so you can focus on practicing medicine. Visit careallies.com to see how they can help to radically simplify value based care. Well, hi, everyone. I'm Daniel Williams, senior editor and host of the MGMA Podcast Network. So today, we have Mike Cipher. We're welcoming Mike to the show. Mike is CEO of Haley Sue, um, and he's here today to talk about human, human-centered design, AI, and how brand performance helps shape health systems. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey,
1: thanks for having me on the show. Uh, excited to be here and Again, uh, we were talking a little bit before we jumped on uh, being in Denver and Duluth, uh, two <laughs> kind of different parts of the world uh, this
0: week. <laughs> For Otherwise. sure. Yeah. We were comparing our uh, summer rainfall and uh, yeah. other issues related to summer. So, yeah. Um, before we get too deep a dive into those topics, I know you were telling me because I was definitely going to flub the pronunciation of Haley Sue, so yeah. tell us about that. Tell us about the pronunciation, tell us about the company. Just let us know more about what you guys do. Yeah, well,
1: thanks for asking. Uh, Haley Sue is a, a marketing firm that's been through a couple of different iterations and really started as a uh, uh, one of Northern Minnesota's best ad agencies in the early 70s, and then um, evolved in the early 2000s to focus on healthcare marketing. As a way to leap out of our regional market, so you know, at that time we had maybe the best tourism client, the best bank clients, you know, the best regional clients, and we started collecting a couple different hospital and healthcare clients, and we'd worked with uh, a really well-known advisor, David Baker, out of Nashville, Tennessee, who who suggested that if we really wanted to broaden outside of our market, we take that that specialization. And that was our path to getting out of the northern Minnesota market, because at his advice, like, what were we going to do, be more strategic or more creative, you know, as a selling proposition to go, you know, two hours away to Minneapolis, where they've got 50 firms that, that all do the same thing. And so um, we did that. My partner, Marsha Heisted, and I bought uh, the firm from its founder, Howard Klatsky, in 2012. And in 2017, we went through this process of rebranding and um, we were in the middle of it and we had a bunch of names. We were gonna continue to be a healthcare uh, marketing specialist. And uh, like one of the names we came up with was Oxygenate. And I thought, oh, pretty cool. Like, oh, and eight. And then somebody said, well, yeah, we breathe life into healthcare marketing. I was like, <laughs> no, no stinking way. Like we're never saying that. So... um. David Baker had also suggested in a blog that some of the best agency names are told non sequiturs. So I was daydreaming about going to Sun Valley, Idaho, and our house there in Haley, Idaho, and uh, thinking about going there in a week or two from that time. And um, I, I thought, man, that's a great reward for working our tails off. And so I texted my partner from our conference room, like, hey, where's your favorite place in the world? And she said, the town of Sioux, France. And I said, okay, great. Our, our new name is going to be Haley Sue. And she said, text me back like WTF. And I said, I'll be <laughs> out. I'll be out in 15 minutes. I'll tell you. And uh, so I kind of explained it to her and she's like, well, let me sleep on it. And then the next day she said, I love it. And we told our team and they started. Um, they started in with their own stories, thinking about the places that they love to go and the destinations and the rewards. So, you know, sometimes when you're going through a brand, uh, a rebrand or something, and uh, they'll come up with a name or something that's like iconic with the brand, but it's really a top-down driven thing and it has no resonance with the team. So that didn't happen with us, with this. Like they people got it and they loved it. And so then we were like, all right, we we got it.
0: I love so it. I love that's it. the
1: that's the origin of Haley Sue.
0: <laughs> that is a great story. So we do have a, so much content we want to cover today. So let's start with brand performance. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a lot of definitions you and I connected offline. I've got some main talking points, but I think it's good for our healthcare audience to just define some of these things. So let's define what we mean by brand performance and then how is brand performance For healthcare changing in this digital age? What does it look like?
1: Yeah, I think we, for a long time, defined brand performance as, you know, the, well, we didn't really define brand performance per se, uh, as we didn't really attach performance to brand. We would look at does the brand resonate? Does it feel good? You know, how does it live in the hearts and minds? Of uh, our consumers, uh, mm-hmm. and in our case, patients. And so, for a long time, until digital and social really started to grab hold and and become what it is today, um, you know, that was the definition of a brand, and we would measure performance, if you will, like year over year in quantitative and qualitative surveys. So. so we would typically go into like a big brand campaign. It would be integrated media and, and we would look at pre and post measurement. And uh, But it was all very um, uh, not leading indicators. So you would look at uh, lagging indicators of performance a year later. How did that campaign work? And healthcare is pretty notorious for saying like, hey, we, we want to go do this. Uh, initiative, we want to grow, let's get this campaign out here. And then when you actually turn around to go measure it, up until maybe the last three, four five years, that would look like working with our clients, uh, internal teams and saying, okay, so we put this campaign in the market, what did it do? How much volume did you get? And a lot of times, it was hard to get that information back. And so today, brand performance really looks like the growth of engagement and activation of patients that you can measure and quantify across digital uh, platforms. So, when we think about our brands today, it's really not enough to say, "Hey, they uh, this feels really good," or that that logo or that design is amazing. Those are those are important elements, but mm-hmm. are we eliciting real uh, actions from from those ideal patient populations and? from a performance standpoint, that could look like everything from just awareness to engagement and engagement is really where we tend to go with brand performance. So the work that we're doing, are we seeing the growth of affinity actions, likes, shares, comments, uh, going to the website, looking at that traffic, getting to the right landing pages, um, searching for the right context? So if, if a healthcare brand is doing that, then that brand is highly relevant and engaged. And that's really become far more indicative of brand uh, success and performance than, than it was
0: five, six, seven years ago. Okay. And then specifically to healthcare then, what does it look like there? Um, yeah. How have you interacted with practices, hospitals, health systems, and the like? Well, it's it's the same
1: for for those for healthcare brands. We want we want prospective patients uh, and and equally important, their families, the people that are helping them make decisions or influencing their decisions, to take very predictable uh, actions and activity around the brand. So mm-hmm. again, whether it is engagement with a social platform, uh, commenting, liking, anything that suggests that there's that support. So If you were to to go into a brand effort now, not necessarily a campaign because it's owned content, it's paid media, it is a collection of probably 20 or 30 different types of activities that uh, we would want to see measurable growth in that. So, uh, I mean, page views are a very basic way of looking at that, Mm -hmm. but what types of conversions or inquiries are coming off of that? getting a little bit more difficult with HIPAA regulations and the lack of ability to really put cookies on pages and track mm-hmm. things, but uh, we're working through that. and so but that's what we really want to see even for healthcare, which is probably again, with HIPAA been one of the most difficult categories to to track this kind of performance
0: mm-hmm. but
1: uh, but we are doing it and uh, adapting to
0: the new the new, rules of of, uh, digital healthcare. Okay, great. Well, the next topic is we're going to bounce around here on a lot of uh, branding and marketing issues here. And a lot of them, I will need, again, a definition for me and maybe many of our listeners as well. So the next topic area is human-centered design. I know what all those words mean, but Put bunch together, not so sure. So let's just define that. What is human-centered design?
1: Great question. And there's a couple. I mean, depending on who you read, there's a couple different answers. But basically, it's a way to solve complex issues that puts people at the center uh, of that overall process. It lets us create products or services, um, or in our case, different marketing strategies that are tailored to those needs, and really. One of the hallmarks is that it it focuses on deliverables like personas, patient journeys. Um, we do a lot of usability testing within this process so that it becomes a very iterative uh, process that that ultimately just puts the patient right at the center of this. So we start by Creating a sense of empathy for understanding of the the challenge or the issue, and and the person on the other side of that for whom we are trying to solve, um, in healthcare all, there are, there's a lot of uh, typical behavior where we're focused on hey we've got this Da Vinci robot we need to tell the world we've got robots you know we've mm-hmm. got robotic surgery and so you can have a a quicker less painful surgery that's easier to heal from but oftentimes you know the task is hey let everybody know we got da Vinci the, the latest version but when we really think about the person on the other end you know why does that matter what are they looking for what kind of procedures you know what kind of conditions are they living with that that would require them or force them to get or need robotic surgery like let's say uh, I've a uh, friend of mine I'm 52 and so running into more and more friends that are dealing with uh, prostate, various forms of prostate cancer mm-hmm. or surgeries, who are, are getting this. And so they're weighing the sort of different options of uh, of uh, radiation or chemo care mm-hmm. versus robotic surgery. And so mm-hmm. like really putting ourselves in there. Uh, shoes and understanding what those drivers are versus just hey let's let's make sure we put the the da Vinci you know out on a digital ad so it's a it, it's not a ultimately a complex process mm-hmm. but if you think about the deliverables of again of understanding the problem uh creating things like personas patient journeys uh that sort of user experience design on your own platforms content that resonates with them and and testing that content and prototyping it up until the point that you've got a high degree of confidence that 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 is going to be very effective uh and, and meet that person where they are along their journey. Mm-hmm. Like those are the, the fundamental principles of human centered design when it comes to uh digital marketing.
0: Okay. Fantastic. Um let's go on to that next topic then. Um and this is one that uh, <laughs> it needs no introduction. Um, we're going to be looking at AI. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really want to look at it through the lens of, I know that it's it's made a lot of news lately with chat GPT and other uh, interfaces there. I've certainly used it, asked yeah. a lot of questions, gotten, yeah. I'm a movie buff. I've <laughs> asked all kinds of movie questions to see what I should be watching next or going sure. back through the classics. but. Um, a lot of people, I've got a, a daughter who's in college and, uh, you know, there's that question, well, is, are you doing the papers or is chat yeah, GPT? Right. And then there are other people worried about jobs, you know, is, is this AI technology going to take my job? Um, you can touch on those kind of things, but really what we want to talk about is how can healthcare marketers use AI to drive organisa- organizational goals like brand yeah. performance, patient engagement? patient acquisition, You know how do you use AI as a tool, You know, not as an adversary, but as a tool to do your job better and to uh, create better outcomes for those patients and those practices?
1: Uh, really, really timely. And I think if if you're going to be successful, we've got to realize that on either side of chat GPT, there are people. So mm-hmm. I, I'm on the side that wants to create uh, uh, content, or strategies or how we're we're going to use that but on the other end is somebody that like is living a real life right mm-hmm. and so i think kind of to answer your question like we have to use think of that as, a, as still a tool so for a healthcare marketer again you can start with help create a strategy based on like the five uh the five most important things that Um, again, cancer patients want to know right now. And and, I mean, you could really use AI to take a very big topic, narrow it, narrow it, narrow it. And that's been one of the most successful um, methods that we've been using to get finer and finer points and even sort of segmenting that content, like uh, for different parts of the patient journey. Um, But then I think when people think about that risk, like, is it going to take our jobs? Not if we realize that getting like a human voice out of AI is mm-hmm. kind of tough right now, at least yeah. out of the, the written content. So you get a great basis for it, like the syntax and the the, right. the detail, but it still takes somebody to humanize it and connect with that person on the other side, like to put it in the right context to frankly, just tweak the language to make mm-hmm. sure that it doesn't seem... AI generated. Right. Um and, and it's obviously moving into design uh into uh, Adobe's platforms and so um that's maybe a little bit more fast moving and we might think about creating some efficiencies. So for our teams the way we've thought about AI and we're suggesting to our clients is there's it may make some tasks shorter. So we can if if you wanted to go out and do a search campaign for instance AI is awesome at mm-hmm. at understanding and creating relevant search content that takes probably hours if not mm-hmm. days off of uh, our current tasks. And so I I've, I've asked our staff to like lean into that, embrace it. That's not a risk to your job because that frees up your mind to think on the about the more strategic elements, the the more real human uh centeredness uh, of right. our work. And so let it do the the, I don't I don't know if heavy lifting is the right word to say, but let's say all the foundational lifting, craft what it uh, has given us, and, and make it human, and and let's move on to the next thing, and and it'll, it's a time saver, and it's obviously a lot more than that, but in our early days of using it, I'm suggesting that we embrace it for that tool that it is and recognize that it really takes a human to connect with that person
0: on the other side. Okay. Now you gave us the good side. So I will yeah. tell you, because it sounds like you're yeah. really integrated in there. Um, are there concerns at all? I mean, if you read the news and everything, there's, oh my gosh, the machines are taking over tomorrow or whatever. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, um where are your concerns with you and your team? Are you right now just chugging along and feel really good about AI technology? And um, are, are there concerns like for a, a practice? Because there is a lot of, as you were mentioning, uh, there are HIPAA laws in place or mm-hmm. things to be concerned about there. Is there anything to be concerned about right now or in the future?
1: Yeah, I, I think, I, I think when something pushes our boundaries Expands them so rapidly. Like my concern is, you know, we're gonna get to a place. I'm not sure if, like, you know, what is it in the terminator when you know the machines yeah. became self-aware, right? Right. I think we've actually passed that time that I... they predicted that was gonna happen. Yeah. Um, but that that's just my concern that there's gonna be a, this moment where we're like, uh, we didn't think that was gonna happen, and that we can't right. we can't claw it back. But but right now. I think that, again, we should push to embrace it, to use it within its natural parameters. Um mm-hmm. I don't think it takes the place of our human passion, mm-hmm. intellect, um, uh, our inclinations, the, those human characteristics. And so for ourselves, we're we're really positioning to be human centered. And, and so if there are others that are, are like, hey, we're, we're all AI, we're all in all AI, we've put our chips in, that's great for some categories. But when you've got to think about that person on the other end, who's trying to get the best potential care for whatever they're going through. Uh, and now as they with the rise of mental health uh, and behavioral health crises across America, like that's a whole nother dimension beyond just physical care like we really need to understand what people are going through and being able to to act on that. So for instance, I don't think AI could have solved the challenge that we had for uh the Emily program a national eating disorder organization uh with whom we've worked for uh 5 years. And when we first started the, the work with them, they were their messaging was really focused on food related issues. And as we worked with them and and developed personas and really talked with the people going through this who had sought their help we realized a couple of really uh significant things one they were generally living with this condition for up to seven years so
0: mm-hmm.
1: um i i've got this behavioral mental health issue and in this case it's it's uh, issues with body image with food with you know everything that's associated with that and but they were living with it for seven years so mm-hmm. um they needed to take this first like courage step, like to open the door. And that was going to be a period of time as well that would occur. Like there would be that small journey to get care once they sort of acknowledged that they needed care. And then the nuances of that, like most uh, the most relevant content uh, at the time um, was delivered or taken in by them. Uh, by people in need of this, like from one in the morning to four in the morning. So they're up at night, like dealing with this. So I I don't think those are things that AI can solve. So again, when we are human-centered, when we are thinking and, and actively working to understand what people are going through, then I think we can use things like AI
0: as the tool to connect, if that makes sense. It really does. It yeah. really does. Thank you so much for yeah. sharing that. Um, as we wind down, are there either any final thoughts or are there any resources that you'd like to point our listeners to who might want to know more about branding their practice? Any tools, anything out there that you can share with us and I'll be able to uh, provide any direct links or other attachments there in the episode show notes.
1: Yeah. Thanks for asking. Uh, I, our recommendation is always just, again, we, we've used the word a lot, just be human.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so start with that. And if you put yourself in the mind of uh, of the people that, you know, for your practice is serving, then, then whatever it is you're doing from a content generation um, or marketing or branding initiative, like you're going to have a head start when you start to think about them first um mm-hmm. that uh at, at that measurement of that and that sort of process will always lead you down the right path versus just one uh we have a tendency as marketers uh, on our for our, our own selves included i mean i'm talking about haley sue mhm to think about, okay, I, I've got to tell the, the market this. I just I just need to get this out. And right. you know, next week I need the, I know I get need to get something out, so I'm just gonna say this. And so uh if we start by always, and sometimes we ask our clients, just put these personas like up on a wall. And so when you're producing some content, written, visual, like are you meeting that person where they are? So uh if you were going to start with anything for your practice, I would suggest uh look at personas, uh, understand mm-hmm. like w- how, to, how to define the the marketing profile of the person that you really want to connect with. Uh, think about their journeys and then how you are using your own organic platforms to do that. You can find a lot of this on uh, our blog at Um, We've written uh, this year, uh, three or four blogs just about this human centered approach to all this that I think answers a lot of these same questions.
0: Okay. That is great. And just everybody, I will put those links uh, in the episode show notes, but just so you know, it's H-A-I-L-E-Y. And then Sue is spelled S-A-U-L-T. You might <laughs> go out there and not get the connection you want if you just type in uh, phonetically how that sounded. So Mike, thanks so much for joining us today and sharing these insights with us.
1: Thanks, Daniel. Uh, great to talk with you today. And the uh... Hopefully that uh, gave your listeners some good insight into brand performance.
0: I think it really did. So that is going to do it for this episode of MGMA's Insights Podcast. Thanks again to Mike Cipher. He's CEO of Haley Sue. Also, as a reminder, if you did register for MGMA's Summit Digital Event, which we held uh, June 6th through the 8th, just wanted to remind you that those sessions are available to you through July 10th. You can access them for the first time or you can return to a topic even if you already attended it. So go to mgma.com events or the best way to get there would be to check your email that MGMA sent you out uh, sent out to you uh, for registration. You click through, it'll take you right to those things. So thanks, thanks everyone for being a loyal listener to the MGMA Podcast Network. Talk to you again soon. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership.